Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting edge, state of the art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Hover.com. Ever wanted to get a website but weren't sure where you could buy a .ca domain name? Well, Hover.com now has you covered. It already has a long history of great websites and services, and now it's adding a distinctly Canadian option. Get 10% off your first purchase by going to Hover.com and using the promo code CanadaLand at the checkout. Hover.com, domain names for your ideas. Vicky Mochama, national columnist at Metro News. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Canada Land. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> it feels weird for me to be welcoming you to Canada Land. All right. I'm Ashley Chinati. I'm filling in for Jesse Brown, who's still away. Um, so, Vicky, today we're going to talk about CBC Comedy. The dog Canadian journalists love to collectively kick on Twitter. Uh, my newsroom in particular got a little note last year telling us that we were being too mean to CBC Comedy on Twitter. So that's what we're going on today. I know you think that 
your basic take is? I think nerds shouldn't beat up on other nerds. I mean, we're each trying to approach this thing from our, our own ends. And I think CBC Comedy is doing a great job, but they're not the only ones in the comedy game. And I think, oh, I, I'm, I'm doing the Chris Crocker leave Britney alone bit here, just saying leave CBC Comedy alone. Go If you don't like their comedy, go laugh at something else. All right. Welcome to Canada Land. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Giselle Yanez, Jonathan Van Amberg, Mayling Wedemeyer, Matthew Tegelberg, Andrew Bars, Rachel, Rola, and James Crawford. James, tell us why you decided to be awesome. Uh, because of your commitment to bringing diverse and often unheard voices on the air, even if you're just going to argue. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. It doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode of Canada Land is also brought to you by our sponsor, Hover.com. Vicky, do you have a website, like a personal journalism website? No, I don't. How would I get one? You could get one with Hover.com, and you can now get it with the .ca end if you want as well, so you can get both before some right-wing troll decides to do it for you. <laughs> Did you know a domain name is registered every second, and 100 million Hover domain names have already been registered? When you think of an awesome idea, you need to find it a great domain name before someone else snatches it up. Hover is the easiest way to quickly buy and manage your domain names. Free who is privacy to protect your contact information. So you have a great idea and you don't want anyone to know you're behind it. There you go. No confusing upsells, just domains and email addresses. We're not all domain name experts, and that's fine because Hover's support staff are. No wait, no hold, no transfer. Phone support is there to help you every step of the way. Plus, their new connect feature lets you connect your domain name to your website in just a couple clicks. 
Spend less time on your domain name and more on your big idea. And now you can get a .ca address. Get 10% off your first purchase by going to Hover.com and using the promo code CanadaLand. Again, that's Hover.com, domain names for your ideas. So CBC Comedy, what seems to get the most hate is is the tweets. It's the CBC.com Twitter account. So I pulled some that have gotten in the past month some some bad flack online. So one of them was from Friday the 13th in January. Ugh, another Friday the 13th, quote, amateur night for masked killers who can't handle their weapons. It's like, okay, I guess. Jason was pretty pro by the end of, like, the series, though. So I have never watched them. I'm scared of scary movies, so I don't know. Um, this one's a newer one. Syrian refugee deported by Trump feels guilty for not thinking positive like Tom Brady. <laughs> that one's great. I like. I don't know anything about football, but so you're laughing. I know you actually understand football, which I find so impressive. Okay, so Tom Brady was asked about the whole Trump debacle in the election, and his response was, "Oh, what's what's going on right now? I just try to think positive." Okay, <laughs> thanks, Tom Brady. Think positive and deflate the footballs. Um, that I know. That hurts my feelings. <laughs> oh yes, you're a you're a, a Patriots fan. All right, so. Uh, this is another one that took some heat. Whistler has opened a, quote, ski-through bank machine. Tough to know whether to go with slush funds or financial moguls here. I actually thought that was, that was pretty good puns. That's a that's clever wordplay. It's almost yeah. too clever for a tweet. Right? And police say that texting while stopped at red lights remains a major problem in Canada. So, to be safe, do not stop at red lights. Okay. Womp womp. Yeah. So this is the kind of stuff that sort of gets everybody all riled up and piling on to CBC comedy. But it, are we too harsh? I had someone, so I put it out there a couple weeks ago when Jesse asked me to fill in. I was like, I really wanted to do something about this issue because there's been this idea that we're too mean to them. And it's got to be hard to be some of those writers seeing all these like established journalists just like laying into them all the time. And so I put it out there. And a lot of people came back at me and were listing all these other things that had nothing to do with the CBC comedy handle. You know, like this hour is 22 minutes or this is that on the radio or the debaters or the Baroness Von Sketch show. But it, they're all technically under the same umbrella at the Mother Corps. If you go on the CBC comedy website, you click on shows, they're all there. But this Twitter account seems to have just like become the thing that journalists want to make fun of. It's like you're in the club if you're mean to CBC comedy on Twitter. It's just, it's really bizarre to me on the sort of like, I always enjoyed the metaphor of Canadian media as a high school. And this is like the AVE club beating up the chess club. You know, like we should be <laughs> allies in this. Like we are in this like pocket of dorkdom that we should just try our best not to be as cruel to each other as possible. But it's also really bizarre because for the most part, journalists, Canadian journalists, will be nice if passive-aggressive at each other. But when it comes to CBC comedy, it is, you know, be as cruel as you want, tell them they're not funny, tell them they're horrible, blah, blah, blah. And so it's just a really bizarre response, in my opinion. So one of the things someone sent to me who didn't want to be quoted, but was that from within the corporation, there's a sense that they have to play it too safe because everything they do gets such scrutiny. So like, and not just in the context of CBC comedy, but everything. So look at the reaction to when they rolled out an opinion vertical or look at all of the, you wrote about this in November, all of the executives that went before the Heritage Committee to say money, please. But then we're basically blaming CBC for their own problems. 
Yeah, so th- I find that they're often stuck in this between a rock and a hard place where it's hard to for them to brag about the things that they're doing well. So if you're CBC comedy, you want to yell like, look at Baroness Von Sketch. Some of our satire is getting, you know, incredible pickup online. There's all these incredible things that they're doing and have been doing, but it's hard for them to yell that out because at the same time, there's such a... People have built sort of careers and opinions on the idea that CBC is somehow harming them. And so, you know, for example, that would be, you know, the various media barons who went up and said, oh, you know, CBC's existence is why we aren't making any money. Well, CBC has existed about the same time or less for a shorter period than, than some of these larger media companies. They're not responsible. So I, don't, I just I'm still at like I don't understand why CBC has become this you know, easy thing to beat up on. There's many things to critique about it. The safety of some of their choices that they make, absolutely, you know. I don't know how many more middle-of-the-road white comedy sitcoms I can watch. From I, anyone, right? Like, not from just From anyone, CBC. right? Like, yeah. there's a reason I don't watch Girls. I don't want to watch a Canadian version of it. You know, like, I would like some boldness in some of their choices, but I don't think some of the places that are claiming that CBC harms them aren't making any more bolder choices. And I think that that's one of the things that drives me nuts about CBC is you sort of see the potential sometimes in these glimpses of like some of the Baroness von Sketch show bits. I personally love the debaters. It's really corny. But, you know, if I'm driving and it's on, it's great. Like this is this is that was almost so deadpan that it would fool you sometimes and be like, wait a second, this can't be real. And then, of course, you'd find out you're listening to this is that it even there were a few times American news stations would pick up on like a Canadian. This is that story and report it as fact, which was always hilarious. Um that safety of the CBC, I think, is something that I would love to see drop away, both in the opinion section. I think they're doing a good job now and trying to push the boundaries a bit more. But I think they're still being pulled in by that same old fear that they're just going to go one step too far one time. But I think sometimes the best opinions are controversial. And I think sometimes the best comedy can be controversial. And that's not saying that it has to be, like, insulting, but I think that you ha- sometimes have to push some boundaries. And I think that that's one of the things that, that they've had a really hard time striking a balance with. Yeah. And I think part of that is also a function of they know their audience really, really well. They know that it is suburban white Canada is a lot of who they're driving their content towards. But, you know, like we've seen with Baroness Von Sketch and Kim's Convenience and even my you know, my pick, which is Mr. D, is like there's a, a bigger opportunity to do bolder and edgier things that your audience will still appreciate and admire. And you can have all your, you know, Heartland type shows, you know, whatever shows about places in Canada I don't go to, but I think are also worthwhile. But I still think you can do something bolder and edgier. Um, and, you know, we did see that a little bit. Little Mosque on the Prairie is one of their shows. Mm-hmm. And that isn't that was an edgy show for its time. And that still holds up pretty well. So, like, I think they they do it, but I think when they do, they then double down on safer options. Right. And I think one thing I found interesting about the evolution about this Twitter account, we were talking about this right before we came in to tape, is actually that it's gotten a little edgier in the past month or two. It seems to have found, like, a certain sass or a certain voice. And there was this one tweet they put out, the Oscar noms are in, best picture, and and it was actually like a clip of the the Nazi getting punched by black block protesters, and I thought like that's that's 
there's some there's a lot going on there. Like I'm sure there's people who uh, who saw that and be like, violence is never funny. <laughs> it should, we should not we should never glorify violence. And yet, you know, you're laughing. I was like, laughing when I saw it. Like I started laughing. That tweet laughing is great. The Nazi getting punched is great. I've watched 47 different versions of that thing said to music. I think it's one of the greatest films of our time. It's our generation, Citizen Kane. <laughs> So, like, but then I open it right now, and there's this one, impersonal worst-case scenario, astronaut notices wasp in-flight capsule. Like, okay, I guess. But then there were some other really funny, edgy ones from the past few days. And I just, it's interesting. So, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau is starting to feel very nervous about Justin Trudeau's definition of a promise. (laughs) Like it's pretty great. That's a good joke. Like a newborn fawn, white middle class woman takes delicate, wobbly steps into first protest march. Again, like on point, pretty great. So maybe we just really needed to give it some time to grow and flourish. Like we always talk about this country being really bad for tall poppy syndrome. Like we never really give anything a chance to grow and then cbc comedy like let's say it blows up gets really funny and big then we're gonna have a giant controversy about it being too good Mm -hmm. like that's almost like the the inevitable conclusion of this is like if everyone's gonna say oh of course they're too good they got all that government money that's why they're so good what about the private comedy organizations which is which is just bananas so like the comedy community in this country is already small enough and fighting for very little dollars across the board. They don't get supported the way lots of other arts organizations do. So CBC Comedy is one of the few places where comedians and comedy writers in this country can go to and at least try out their voice. And that's why you see stuff that works and doesn't work. Because sometimes stand-up comedians are trying writing or they're trying to make a web series out of an idea that maybe they've done on stage. So it is developing its voice. And part of the thing that drives me absolutely bananas about the criticism is it's coming from a place of people who don't know how comedy works. It takes a long time to figure out your voice. The Onion didn't burst into the world as The Onion. It started as a scrappy little newsletter that wasn't terribly funny to begin with. No, and it then, used to be really bad kind of puns and stuff. It was bad. It was kind of like, yeah. you know, sort of like when a whole bunch of white guys get together and try to be funny bad. Like it was it was awkward. You know, so like that's what the onion started as, and now what you get is that the onion that has like this strong voice, and it's been able to branch out and create all sorts of funnier spaces. Like uh, I think it's Clickhole's one of theirs, or people from there developed Reductress. That model of creating things that's funny takes a long time to build. And the Beaver Tin was sort of hit and miss when it first came out. And now I find it quite funny, but. Again, the, the Beaverton be- was unfunny as at least a year ago. Yeah. You know, like it took time for them to figure it out until they were, you know, almost every single piece was, you know, getting something out of you. Yeah. And they have the the, the video shorts they started jo- doing d- during the um, U.S. presidential campaign were very good. And like there was a good CBC headline and tweet today on CBC Comedy. Uh, actual lone wolves issue rare joint statement, stop comparing us to white terrorists. And, you know, I think it's a great concept. It was a great tweet. And then you like a lot of fake news articles. The execution is sometimes not quite as funny as just like the initial punchline of the headline and the joke. But it's definitely starting to get there. And I don't know if it's that they've stopped being so scared of themselves or just stopped worrying and let go of the media hate. Like, I'm definitely, like, I, I feel really hypocritical right now because I'm definitely one of the people who's made fun of them because, again, sometimes it's just so bad. You just can't <laughs> not. Hey, listen, that's that's totally fair. And part of it is, you know, they work in comedy. 
you have to develop a thick skin. And so I did think, you know, when people made fun of their sort of pleading letter to, you know, you guys, please stop making fun of us. I was like, you guys work in comedy. This is what you're going to have to get used to. People not finding you funny and then not only not finding you funny, but going after you for it. Just get used to that. And I hope to God that that's what's happened, that they've just sort of said, like, listen, those National Post guys are going to hate us anyways. Screw them. Let's make funny stuff that we find funny. And if they don't find it funny, well, we'll keep flipping the page of the National Post waiting for something that makes us laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and you could go some, there's some days where <laughs> you, you can just maybe go keep going and be like, well, that was, <laughs> that was an experience. Um, and one of the most interesting things I found, though, when I put out this, so what do you like about CBC comedy or what do you love or hate, is there were a lot of people who are some of the perpetual haters on CBC comedy who came back and cited things that were comedic on CBC past or present that they did enjoy. It was really just this one specific Twitter account that sort of seemed to get their goat and they were mad it wasn't funny enough. And now maybe it seems to be getting there. Like, I think there's always going to be, you know, if you put out a hundred columns, you're going to have a few bad ones. If you're putting out a few hundred tweets a year or like even probably more, because they're probably doing like five to ten a day minimum, so thousands, you're going to have a few bad jokes in there. Yeah. I mean, I'm a prolific tweeter and some of those things are funny, but sometimes I go back and I think, Jesus Christ, that thing that I thought was funny, not so great. doesn't land so well. And so to do that, to be able to try to do that in the context of a giant corporation within this umbrella of CBC comedy, I can't imagine what steps it takes to get, actually get a tweet out to there or what sort of, how many things are thought to be funny and then they go well no it's not it's not funny enough for us to tweet it yeah and i and like I, I agree with you too like sometimes someone will if they're like trolling me or something will like bring back old tweets about it and be like i don't even remember writing that like <laughs> sure i guess i guess i said that at some point in time but i really like i just keep waiting for the truly edgy cbc comedy because even when they have something that takes a premise that's trying to be a bit more provocative like little mosque on the prairie or something that's trying to very specifically be more, like, not that, like, you know, 2.5 white family sitcom, like, doing, like, the Kim's Convenience, they're still, they're still sort of safe. Like, there's still sort of this PG family comedy. I think it gets, it appears to be that way. Okay. But there are moments in almost most of the ones I've seen where it's actually pretty edgy for that piece of material to be out there. And so, like I say, I watch a lot of Mr. D., that show is comparable to one of my favorite TV shows from the BBC, which is Bad Education. And it's about a teacher who like really just doesn't give a crap about teaching. Both shows, to me, are equally edgy. And that show, the Bad Education, has won, won BAFTAs in the, in the UK. And Mr. D just gets no love. I'm not even the biggest fan of Jerry D's comedy, but this show, I think it's edgy. But I don't think people want to credit it for being edgy simply because it's on the CBC. And I think people really have to sort of check their biases on that. Like, if this was on HBO, you'd go, oh, hell yeah, that's funny. But because it comes attached with CBC before it, suddenly there's sort of a hesitance to think it's truly funny or edgy. And is that a CBC thing or is that just a Canadian thing? Because Degrassi back in the day was, like, lauded for being super and awesome and edgy, and then now it it's still getting awards and it's still tackling really, like, tough issues and they 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 actually literally just won like a really big award in the states and no one seems to care yeah because i mean it's you can't complain about it right we can't complain like oh degrassi is too good 
Yeah. Like it, it's like, Canadian and it's too good. What are we going to do about that? I guess it's also you have to very specifically have like cable to watch it now, yeah. which like I think a lot of people who are who are cord cutters don't. And at least some of the CBC shows, you, like you can watch them online, which is nice. And again, we, you know, we do complain so much about CBC, but they have like tech wise started to do a better job of making a lot of their content available. A lot of their docs are, are streaming. Of course, it's not going to be quite as fast and reliable as as Netflix, but like that's a corporation with billions of dollars pouring lots of money into servers and stuff like that so i feel like we like set out to argue and (laughs) just like have have ended up coming around to your point that maybe we are just too darn hard on cbc and when i first wanted to do this episode i was like no i'm gonna argue about why it's stupid and the cbc should just be spending money on like its core functions of like providing news and culture and all these things. And I started thinking, I was like, well, like comedy is also part of our culture and we export a lot of comedians to the States. So maybe trying out new things. Like I, I found the backlash to the opinion vertical to just be baffling, especially in this day and age when everybody like you can put out the 10 paragraph story of like so-and-so said X today and everybody's going to have a version of that. But what can really add nuance and light and context to a complex issue is somebody's say lived experience with that kind of, you know, if it's if it's a, something hateful Donald Trump said or a historian explaining why, like, maybe we shouldn't panic about this decision because it's happened a ton of times before. And I feel like with the with the comedy thing, maybe I, it just goes into the fact that like we are not very good at letting things grow and nu- be nurturing. Like we're not very good at nurturing talent in this country. Maybe that's it. I, I mean, we grow. We tend to we tend to grow talent like you're supposed to grow good wine, which is like you're really strangled a vine, and that's how you get good wine and solid grapes for that. But unfortunately for growing talent, that doesn't really work, which is that means talent just leaves or just doesn't pay attention to you anymore. So I know plenty of comedians who have just said, why would I even bother with Canada? There's no system or apparatus by which you can succeed there. Like it takes forever to get a TV show made. It takes forever to get anybody at the CBC itself to pay attention to you. And all the other broadcasters simply aren't trying for original content. I'm going to go to the States where there's thousands more options. And so... You know, we do ha- we do export great comedians, but I always think of them as the you know the great bottle of wine. They're like the 1969 Chateau Neuf de Pop. You know, like you know, like to have made it to be that good. I think of like hundreds of others who simply just had to leave and couldn't make it. So I sometimes wonder if there's a bit of a stasis there too that we don't create the big opportunities that we keep the same few shows going and going. This hour is 22 minutes has been for around for a really long time. So is the Rick Mercer report, which I guess, you know, he was on 22 minutes before that. Air Force, like these these things sort of just keep keep going and they do change over some of them. But I feel like they haven't had enough of a turnover or like a revamp. Like I remember really enjoying those when I was younger yeah. and I was in high school. And now it just feels like it hasn't. It hasn't changed, but I've certainly changed <laughs> since I was in high school. So is it time then for some of these shows to sort of have a turnover, like a flip over? I do think there is a case to be made that some of them do need to move on or re- adapt. I think it would be hard to sell the Canadian public on changing anything about the Rick Mercer report. It still works for me. Everything about that show still fires on all cylinders. But I think, you know... 22 Minutes has 
launched a couple careers and often tries to get in new voices or bring in new people, whether as writers or as on-air talent, they do a good job. I do think we need to bring back some stuff, like Air Force is off. I think we could bring back something like that. I really enjoyed it when I was a kid. It's one of those shows that my family gathered around and it was one of the few ways we accessed Canadian culture as people who weren't originally Canadian. You know, we learned as much from that show as we laughed about things from that show. And so I think there's a case to be made that comedy should be one of the ways in which we enact or perform citizenship. And bringing in new television shows or bringing in more people to the existing ones, I think would be an excellent way to do that. How the CBC goes about doing that, I don't think they're solely responsible. I think there are other broadcasters who should recognize this gap in the market where there are so many people who want to access Canadian culture and comedy and they could fill that. But they're not creating original content at all. Most original comedy content is being created by online um, online companies. And so Instagram, for example, has commissioned a couple com- Canadian comics to do series or web series for them. Nothing on that scale of innovation is happening at any media company, period. And and so then that maybe goes to the crux of another issue of something we want to talk about, which was this Shattered Mirror report from the Public Policy Forum that came out and was the product of that those heritage committee meetings that you wrote that column about where all the private media company executives basically went hat in hand to the federal government and said, CBC is eating our lunch. Google and Facebook are these big evil giants and we need help. And a line that you had in that column that I really liked was, for an unwieldy bureaucracy, the CBC has managed to outfox the private companies. And I thought there was something, I re- like I work for a private company I will leave the business decisions to my the business side of our of our office. But I also wonder, I mean my CBC works a lot better on my phone than any app from the company that I work for. Yep. CBC on so many levels partially because it's its mandate to work for Canadians works for Canadians. You can read the news on any device. I'm often bewildered that you know so I'm Kenyan, and I sometimes check news from back home. There, Most of the, the websites for our biggest newspapers look exactly like the websites I check for Kenyan news back home. Those what, Kenyan, <laughs> I'm sorry, the Daily Nation does not have the budget of post-media. Never has had, never will. And yet, they look the exact same. They function in the exact same way. And I know, you know, front, you know, front page, you know, www.nationalpost.com, www.globeandmail.com, they, they don't tell you everything about how a business is functioning, but if it's functioning like a third world newspaper website, there are many, many more bad business decisions being made down the line. So then if we dig into that report, one of the things they said is CBC should stop running ads, just give them the budget. I actually agree with that. And they also said CBC's content should be Creative Commons and everyone should be able to use it like a wire service. Again, I think that's a good thing. But the one thing they didn't mention, this is like my pet peeve, (laughs) is that I don't think CBC should be allowed to run wire content. I think that they should get more of a budget and be present in more communities. But I don't think they should be allowed to run the Canadian press or the Associated Press. Because basically when anyone posts those online, you're competing for the same Mm -hmm. clicks. And if we're going to invest in CBC and another report recommendation was invest in the Canadian press. Um, and, and give it a nonprofit wing to do local, which is a bizarre thing to tell a private company to do, but give it a nonprofit wing to do more local coverage. Maybe that stuff, like the nonprofit stuff, could, like, you can have different rules. But I find it bizarre when I read an Associated Press article on the CBC. And I think that's 
you know, that's a fair criticism to be made of them. I think if they're not feeling like they are getting enough coverage of an issue, the answer isn't to run wire copy, it's to get someone out there to cover that story. And I think that's what they should be pointing themselves towards. But again, like, the sort of lack of innovation elsewhere is why they are doing what they are doing. I And I like that report is obviously just it's sort of like the government was involved in sort of funding it, but they were still waiting for the actual Heritage Committee report about like the crisis in Canadian news. And I think there's something to be said about the fact that CBC was actually founded as a reaction to the idea that we had American culture and British culture sort of squishing us and we needed a, a national broadcaster to to help connect this like new country. And it's always sort of been an anchor of that. And I would I would like to see there be more of that. But I think we still do need a very strong private ecosystem competing with it. But maybe not being so mean to it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, the more they blame Google or Facebook or CBC, and yet you look at the product you're getting and it's still the same as it was a decade ago or 20 years ago, that's when I start to think, you know, it's not necessarily the things you're blaming. Absolutely, Google and Facebook have chipped away at your advertising revenue for a lot of these companies. But what has been their response to behave like an advertising company? There, there just simply hasn't been as much. They, you know, haven't responded to the, the conditions of the market. Okay, so CBC takes away quite a bit, you know, digitally. Well, what's your response digitally? And again, not as robust a response as there could be. So it's hard to sympathize with the private companies and say like, okay, well, I wish you guys were doing better journalism and could afford to do so. But at the same time, what are we getting when you complain? Like, what are you giving more to the consumer? I guess it's almost like a chicken and the egg problem, though. Like, how do you give the consumer more without the resources to do so in the first place? And I think that there was sort of this immediate gutting of finances when when the the print ads really sort of sharply started to decline. And then no one really quite figured out a way to bridge that. And now we're starting to see the Washington Post and the New York Times get there. Mm-hmm. But they have money to get them there. And I think in the, the difference in Canada is we have so few companies, the ownership is so concentrated that it makes it harder. Because if one of them falls, that's a, a lot of communities without newspapers. And like the bigger titles might be bought but we've already seen, you know, the Guelph Mercury close. We've seen what, the Nanaimo paper mm-hmm. close. Like, w- these are cities that are not small cities that don't have a full-time newspaper now. Now we're seeing a start, like, a, an online publication in Guelph grow. So I feel like I don't, I actually, like, no one knows the answer. I guess that's the big problem. No one knows the answer. And, you know, all ever you know, you get to enough media people and everyone has some sort of solution, you know, some sort of like big hope idea. Paywalls. That's my, that's my like, that's my pet peeve. I've been talking about this for 10 years, like metered paywalls, but. I hate, I absolutely hate paywalls and they're increasingly desperate. You know, they used to just sort of be casual and like, you've got nine call, nine articles left. And now it like will throw a thing in front of you to say like, before you read this, you need to know you have three articles left. It's an emergency. It doesn't work. Again, there's not. There's no response to what the consumer is used to. The next one we're getting is going to be like, here's a baby seal. If you don't subscribe <laughs> to this uh, article, this baby seal will die yeah. before the time you're done reading. I'll say this once and never again, but I'm starting to have a similar approach to getting to articles from Canadian newspapers as you have to for porn. Like you have to like copy the link and go to an incognito browser and like... It feels like I'm trying to keep the Globe and Mail from knowing anything about me. It's really bizarre. It's such an odd way to have to behave as a consumer. Like, I 
don't do that for anything else. <laughs> All right. So there's just one more thing I wanted to mention from that report. I think it's because it's been completely undercovered. And there was a great section in it about better funding our Indigenous coverage in this country. And so much of the coverage has been like the business dollars and cents and fix this tax credit and do this thing to shuffle money here and there. But I thought this was just like in the spirit of truth and reconciliation, let's do a better job of enabling our Indigenous communities not just to report the national news, but to report on their own levels of government. Because there are band councils and smaller communities across the country that get not nearly enough transparency Mm -hmm. into their own finances. Yeah, I think that's great. I think what's interesting about the report is it addresses quite a number of structural issues, one being the issue of taxes, another being issues of innovation or funds for innovation. But this one, I think, is sort of the landmark and most important piece. The biggest pieces of news that have broken to me in the last couple of months have almost always come from APTN or Indigenous reporters. And I think sort of their sort of focus on that community and that piece of storytelling is going to be hugely important how we understand Canada as a whole, but it's also going to be part of the, probably the most important political piece for the next several years. And I think getting more reporters in those places to speak to more Indigenous people and to speak to more Indigenous communities, and I think having more reporters in those communities and in those spaces telling a story that we don't really hear of, and we only hear in time, terms of crisis or in terms of tragedies, I think it needs to be a much more quotidian piece of reporting that we hear about in Canada. And I think it'll reframe any notions we have around truth and reconciliation if we have Indigenous reporters telling Indigenous stories. I 100% agree. My only concern is the way the recommendation laid it out is that all the funding was going to go specifically to groups like ABTN or Indigenous reporting for Indigenous communities. And I think all Canadians need to be reading that. And I'm not sure if it's trying to mix APTN into people's media mix or if we need to do a better job of having Indigenous people telling Indigenous stories. Like Obviously, diversity is a problem in every newsroom in this country and all every kind of diversity is. But in particular, like you said, those stories where we just tell the spate of suicide stories or we, we just do the fly-in, fly-out story when something bad happens on a reserve or when there is a allegation of financial malfeasance by a band council but we don't get those like day-to-day nice narratives like even the welcoming syrian refugee kind of narratives we got and i want there to be more funding for indigenous reporting and i want aptn to have more funding but i also want that to be like showing up on the national or in in some kind of content sharing agreement in our national newspapers so people are are reading those stories who wouldn't necessarily like go to AT- APTN as a as a resource. Do you know what I mean? I do. I absolutely know what you mean. And I think part of that is, you know, increasingly I find myself going to APTN as part of my daily media diet. And I think that's something Canadians as a whole need to change. We need to sort of reevaluate our priorities of what news and information matters to all of us. But I also think, I just simply don't think you can reward bad behavior. Like, I don't think the mainstream media needs any portion of this funding. You know, if this is something that they want to make a priority, this is something that they're many decades behind on, and it's something that they need to work on now. You know, if the report is recommending 60 to 80, you know, journalists of Indigenous heritage be supported, well, you know, as, you know, newspapers or magazines, they need to decide what portion of that they want and how they want to go about it. I think APTN 
or, uh, you know, CBC Indigenous, they're the ones who, you know, they've been doing the work. And I think everyone else needs to figure out how they can also do it. I think you're right. And I think that that's actually a great way to leave it because I don't think it should be on. I don't think a private company should get chunks of money to do something they probably should have been doing already. All right, Vicky, thank you so much for being on Canada Land this week. I guess welcome back to your old stomping grounds. Everyone, that's your Canada Land for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter at Canada Land, and you can follow me at Ashley Chinati. That's Ashley with an L-E-Y. And my last name is a little weird to spell. It's C-S-A-N-A-D-Y. Vicky, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Vimochama, V-M-O-C-H-A-M-A, and uh, have a happy Black History Month. Talk about black history at all. Thank God. All right, maybe Jesse will <laughs> rectify that in the coming weeks. Our website is canadalandshow.com. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. The imposter comes out on Tuesday. The next episode of Shortcuts, where Jesse will be back in this chair, will be out on Thursday. And stay tuned for an exciting announcement about the return of Canada Land Commons. Ooh. This show was produced by Russell Gregg. If you like what we do, please support us.